0: What is happening, everybody? UFC 297. It went well for Brady and I, so we're going to keep collabing, putting out content together. I hope you guys enjoyed the 297 card. It was a good week for both Brady and myself and for this week, breaking down the Imavov card here, taking on Roman Lidze. Only thing we ask of you guys is to like the video, subscribe to our YouTube channels, Brady over at DFS by the Numbers, and myself here over at Stochastic. And... Further on in the week, you'd expect from me on Friday, I'm gonna be doing a full slate breakdown using our Sims tool. We break down each fight individually, showing our projected ownerships. And uh, Brady, I know you put out a ton of content over at DFS by the numbers. What can people expect from you this week?
1: Yes, yeah, so I did a full card breakdown, a main event breakdown, a prize fix video. I'm going to be doing a, another DFS video and then a live stream Friday and Saturday. So a ton of content as well on my channel. Yeah, so go check out Brady
0: at DFS by the numbers and like and subscribe to both of our channels. And let's start breaking down this card from a DraftKings perspective. We're going to look at the main event, and then we'll also look at a payup option, a mid-range option, and a value option that we like as well. But starting with the main event, we've got Roman DeLidze taking on Nassar Dean Imovav. And Brady, which way are you leaning for the main event for DraftKings this weekend?
1: So from a, a DraftKings perspective, um, I, th- I think I got to go De Lidze here. So you're getting a $1,000 price savings. You know, Imovav is sitting at $8,600. DeLidze sitting at 7600 And it's a close fight. You know, I struggled in terms of, of picking a winner. I think it's one of those fights where Imovav is probably going to be the minute winner. He has that five-round experience. He's going to be the higher-volume striker. But this is a guy, DeLidze, who's just extremely dangerous. If this fight hits the mat, his submission game is elite. Um, he's very dangerous on the ground, and then on the feet, he throws with a ton of power. And if there is a finish in this fight, I kind of lean it towards it being Dalidze. If there is wrestling in this fight, I kind of lean towards it being Dalidze. So, although I think there is a scenario where Imovov kind of sticks on the outside and outpoints Dalidze across five rounds, um, I think all the upside on DraftKings is on the, 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 the Dalidze side, and you're saving a thousand dollars there. So, I'm gonna go with Dalidze. I'm not. You know, I could see myself actually maybe, you know, being a little bit underexposed to this main event. But, you know, DeLidze at 7,600, I think, makes a lot of sense for me.
0: You know, it's funny because I'm breaking down this fight, and I see it the same way as you, where for DraftKings purposes, which is what we're covering here, I like the DeLidze side as well, even though I pick Imavov to win, mostly due to output. One thing that really drives me crazy about DeLidze is I think he's got all the talent in the world and a lot of finishing upside. But it's often hard to finish your opponents when you're only landing three significant strikes per minute. We have seen him a little bit more aggressive in some of his fights as far as the wrestling goes. So he does land 1.72 takedowns per 15 minutes. For DraftKings purposes, the issue I have with Imovov is that I don't think he's going to look to wrestle in this fight because I do think Delidze is the better submission grappler of the two. And then on the Imovov side, well, he does land more significant strikes per minute than Delidze. and I do think that he's going to have the output advantage. The problem is, even in a win for Imovov, I'm not sure how well it's going to score on DraftKings. So I'm going to pick Imovov to win. But for DraftKings purposes, I prefer Delidze because if he does win, I think his win scores more points than what we would see out of an Imovov win. So... My pick for the fight is going to be Imavov. For DraftKings purposes, I prefer getting more exposure to Delidze for the cheaper price point as well as more finishing equity. Now, for payup options on this slate, Brady, there's a lot of ways we could go. There's a lot of favorites who are around the minus 300 mark. A lot of them with wrestling, grappling, upside. Is the one that stands out the most to you as a payup option this weekend?
1: Yeah, so there's a... Yeah, there's a couple of favorites that I like to outright win. Um, Natalia Silva, Molly McCann. I'm going to pay up, but I'm not going to go too high here. So uh, I'm going to go with somebody that's actually kicking off the card. And it's weird. We don't typically see heavyweights kicking off the card at the apex. Like the last couple of years, I don't know what it is, but it seems like they randomly put heavyweight fights on the main card. Like we've had Chase Sherman on in the main car. We've had Jared Vanderas, the Carlos Felipe's, but they're kicking off the car with a, with a heavyweight fight here. And yeah, I, I like Thomas Peterson, you know, 8,700. So he's not that expensive, but this is a guy with a 100% finish rate. All of his wins come before the third round. I think he has like six wins in the first round and Thomas Peterson's a really good wrestler. And once he gets on top, he's very dangerous. You know, he gets in the mount, he finishes the fight shortly after, Uh, Pogues is a guy who I'm just not high on. You know, this is a guy in Pogues who should be fighting at light heavyweight, randomly came up to heavyweight recently. And it seems like nowadays all Pogues wants to do is kind of stick on the outside and and jab and has no finishing instinct. I think it's like a 40% finish rate as a heavyweight. Um, he is, or used to be a wrestler. He doesn't really seem like he wants to wrestle that much anymore, um so yeah I think Peterson if he gets on top he can do some damage here Pogues has been finished three times and Peterson's super dangerous uh showed off a little bit of a submission game on the contender series but it's that grounded pound that I really like so and I don't think he's gonna be that popular a lot of people are on Pogues this week this line's actually coming down a little bit so I think Peterson could be somewhat sneaky I think he'll have some ownership but um I'm gonna be a little bit higher on than the field on this one so give me Peterson to get the job done within the first uh two rounds here
0: you're not the only one that thinks you'll be fighting at 205 because the UFC uh, site here has not updated his weight. They still have him at 205 here, so maybe trying to pressure him to get back to 205. <laughs> he's he's somebody who's he's not built to fight at heavyweight, even though he's big and he's a long reach. When he's fighting heavyweight, he just doesn't look in shape. Like He looks terrible no. when he shows up at weigh-ins fighting as a heavyweight, and it didn't seem like he had all that much issue making 205. So I, I don't want to just, because we don't know the actual situation, but it seems to me that he's just kind of cutting corners by fighting at heavyweight as opposed to light heavyweight, not wanting to cut the weight. And yeah, I I agree with you. I think Thomas Peterson's a pretty good tournament play. Where I'm going as a pay-up option is going to be towards Azat Maxim against Charles Johnson. For whatever reason, the UFC puts Charles Johnson in seemingly the same matchup in all his fights recently. They just give him a wrestler who's going to chain wrestle, and it's a matchup that we've seen doesn't go in Johnson's favor. And as far as Maxim goes... He was pretty underwhelming to me in his UFC debut against Tyson Nam. He did struggle to land takedowns in that matchup, but here's the positive I'm pulling from that, Brady. He attempted 11 takedowns, and from what we've seen in matchups against Charles Johnson, if guys are going to chain wrestle against him, they're going to wear him out, and they're going to end up landing takedowns. So Maxim's going to have a wrestling advantage. I'm not even convinced that Charles Johnson has a big striking advantage over Maxim. If it's on the feet, it's certainly going to be more competitive than if it plays out in the wrestling and grappling. But this is a fight where I think Maxim not only should land takedowns, but he has potential to finish the fight via submission. He could wear out Charles Johnson and land a bunch of takedowns. We've seen Johnson give up as many as 12 takedowns, I think it was. Yeah, 12 against Muhammad Mukhaev, 11 against Cody Durden. I know those guys are very high caliber wrestlers with wrestling pedigrees, but I I do think that Maxim, if he's not quite as strong a wrestler as those guys, I do think the pace that he puts on could wear out Charles Johnson over the course of the fight. So Maxim taking him for the wrestling upside here, Brady, a lot of good pay up options this week. And one reason I land on Maxim is that he's just below the nine K range. And it is a little hard to get up to like the 94, 9,300 range, considering the lack of value on the slate, which we're going to try to find in a little bit here, but mid range. Any particular spots or fighters you're targeting in the mid range here, Brady? Because there's a spot that I'm targeting for a lot of the same reasons that you and I were on Jimmy Flick at UFC two ninety seven.
1: Yeah, I mean this is probably like the Jimmy Flick spot of the week. I mean it's it's ugly. It's it, it feels it feels bad, but you know you got to do it. I'm going with Holia Ranko eight thousand two hundred. Um, you know she's kind of starting to grow on me a little bit. Like I never thought she was that great. She's eleven and seven um she doesn't have the best striking the best striking defense the best wrestling the best cardio the best really anything <laughs> but she is a, she's a specialist right she's a specialist in that that specialty is that armbar um holia 11 wins 10 of them coming by first round submission What I like about Stolyarenko is she's super aggressive. She doesn't care if you hit her in the face. She's going to come forward. She's going to do everything her power to take you down in the first round. And if she does, she's probably subbing you. She has two first-round submission wins in the UFC against Molly McCann and Jessica Rose Clark. Uh, Carolina was subbed in the first round for what it's worth against Ariana Lipski. She was also, like, seconds away from getting subbed in the first round by Lupi Godinez. So, yeah, I think if this fight hits the mat in the first round, there's a very good chance that Ranko does get that first round sub, and at 8,200, that's a that's a big score there. So I like Ranko there. Obviously, there are serious concerns if this fight does reach the second round, because Ranko really doesn't win any other way than first round armbar. But give me that upside at 8,200. I think if she wins, it's, it's probably a first round armbar like always. She's definitely somebody I considered here, and... Uh, Like you said, it's we're getting
0: a mid-range fighter. If she wins, she's probably going to be in the optimal lineup because she is, what, uh, 11 career wins, 10 of them by submission. And of those 10, it's like they're all arm bars and they're all in the first round. So she's a very clear path to victory, and that path does score well on DraftKings. So she's somebody I considered. But where I'm landing with this, Brady, is going to be on Drew Dober. And like I said, the reason this is kind of similar to how we were breaking down the Jimmy Flick versus Malcolm Gordon matchup for UFC 297 we're seeing a very wide betting line here relative to where this is priced on drafting. So it's a mid-range price. Moicano is creeping up to close to a minus 200 favorite, which is going to mean that we're probably going to see Moicano get the ownership that Malcolm Gordon got for UFC 297, where Jimmy Flick ended up being 20% owned. Gordon was around 40% owned. And I do think this fight is going to play out more competitively than what the odds are. And this is a fight where, also to be clear, I think it makes a ton of sense to target both sides in GPPs. But because of ownership reasons, I'm going to be a little bit more towards the Drew Dober side for the leverage that we're getting here. I think that Moicano is the better overall fighter, but I'm very concerned about his durability, and those are concerns I do not have on the Drew Dober side. I know that he did get knocked out by Matt Travola, but in general, ironclad chin that we've seen on Drew Dober, whereas Moicano, we've seen him knocked out multiple times. We've seen him get hurt on the feet. If he get the fight to the mat, yes, he's a big grappling advantage, but Drew Dober can be difficult to take down unless he's fighting fighters like Islam Makachev. So with that in mind, we're looking at some of the striking stats here. And they do land at a fairly comparable rate, 4.58 significant strikes landed per minute for Drew Dober, 4.75 for Moikano. So with this being a fight that I think is going to be competitive, there's probably a little bit more knockout equity on the Drew Dober side, a little bit more submission upside on the Moikano side, but... I do think we're going to see Moycano probably around 2x the ownership of Drew Dober. So give me the leverage on a fight in the mid-range with a lot of finishing equity. One of the best fights to target on the slate and a fight that I'm very excited to watch as well. Finally, Brady, and this is a very difficult question. Do you like any value options for this week? Because there are a lot of favorites that I like at the high end. And then as a result, it's just hard to find fighters that I think have a lot of win equity on the cheap side. But do you see it any differently?
1: Well, I I think there is one play that does stick out. And this is a play where, you know, I'm not picking him to win, but I know a lot of people that are. And if he does win, I think he's going to probably break the slate. And that's going to be Pete Rodriguez here at at 7,000. This is a guy in Pete Rodriguez, five wins. All five of them come in the first round by knockout. He's very dangerous on the feet. And this is a striker versus grappler matchup. Thema Garimbo. I think is going to want nothing to do with the striking um, really in general, but in this fight specifically, I can see Gariba trying to shoot a takedown with like in the first 15 to 20 seconds here, because Pete Rodriguez, you're, you're not really going to want to strike with them. The problem with Pete Rodriguez is there's a lot of question marks. This guy had his last two fights canceled because he's not able to make the weight. So this fight is up to uh to 170 now. So this fight, hopefully it even happens, but um, you know, Pete Rodriguez, we haven't seen him in a while. We haven't seen his ground game tested as a pro. Um, never seen him taken down as a pro as an amateur. That's a different story, but that was a while ago. And we've never seen him in a second round as a pro as well. So if this fight does reach the second, in theory, you know, should heavily favor Garimbo. But, you know, with Pete Rodriguez, he's going to go out there, try to take off Garimbo's head. And I kind of question the durability of Garimbo. We've seen him knocked out before. We've seen him hurt before. And Pete Rodriguez hits like a truck. So that'd be the one guy down low where I think, you know, I don't I don't love him. But, you know, if he does win, I think it's probably a first round knockout.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of guys that I I can't say I like anybody on the low end. It's just we're forced to play guys that are cheap, just the way the pricing works. So there's a couple that I am going to be rostering. Pete Rodriguez is one. The other one is going to be Muradov. That's more so for the win equity. That line is fairly tight. So Mm. I do think that there's pricing value just based on what the betting odds are on Muradov. But the one I do prefer, like you, is going to be Pete Rodriguez. Because in the same way that we haven't seen Pete Rodriguez's wrestling test in the UFC we haven't really seen Grembo's striking tested at all that much either. And you can see that in the numbers as well. He only lands 1.8 significant strikes per minute because what Grembo does is he's trying to avoid having to get in ex- long exchanges on the feet. So he's shooting for takedowns immediately as soon as fights start. And he's found success that way because he's generally fought lower level of competition. It's not to say that Pete Rodriguez is any kind of high level of competition, but if you tell me that all of the fighters who are below $7,500 win on this slate, Brady, Pete Rodriguez is the one who scores the most fantasy points if all those fighters win. So that's how I'm seeing it. I wouldn't pick him to win the fight outright, but he is the one who, for the cheapest price point, is the one that I think has the most upside. So I will be picking Themba Grembo to win, but Pete Rodriguez is one of the more live underdogs that we have on the slate. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you very much for watching. If you haven't done it, Like the video, subscribe to both Brady and myself's YouTube channels. We do appreciate it a whole bunch. So check out DFS by the numbers. Check out Stochastic. Good luck with this weekend's card. We'll see you guys back here next week. Peace out.